<clears throat> well, growing up, you know, as kids, from the very earliest age, we have this instinctive way of categorizing things. We put the square things over here, we put the round things over here, we put the blue things in that pile. We, we go through life putting things in categories, and not just things, but people as well. And this is probably most palpably realized when we get to the teen years, when the groups of people are so distinct, the skaters, the music people, the artists, the scholars, the different, and, and kids jump around from group to group trying on identity. But you see, the danger when we put people in categories is that we can actually assign value to a certain category over another category. Now, I'll, I'll confess right up front, I do not like country music. And that's fine to say. Don't judge me for that. However, it would be bad if I said that people who like country music are somehow lesser uh, in, in, inherently. They are lesser valuable people. Now, it's okay to have an opinion about something, like I like a certain music, I don't like another one, but it's dangerous. And this carried out to extremes leads to violence, it leads to hate crimes, segregation, even genocide. This is the way that people have hurt each other through, through the ages, really. And we're in a moment now in a country just where we're, we're once again reminded about some of the things in our culture that are so harmful. We look at what happened recently in Baltimore, and we get, as complex as that situation is, we get a reminder that there are real race, racial divides in our country that are still there. And this is helpful for us today when we come to the Scriptures because it's so difficult to understand for a Jew what it was like to see a Gentile, what that relationship was like. And the passage from Acts today has Peter, a good, God-fearing, honest Jew, dealing with Gentiles that were coming into the kingdom. And it was really tough. Think about this. Jews wouldn't even enter the house of a Gentile, much less eat with them. And and think about Jesus. When he met the woman in Samaria at the well in John chapter 4, she even knew that it was wrong for Jews to associate with those that were different. So she said, how is it that you, a Jewish man, can be speaking to me, a Samaritan woman? And this is a really tough thing for them. In Acts chapter 11, after what happens in the passage I'm going to explain in a minute, Peter is criticized by the Jews for going and eating with a Gentile. They were scandalized by it. It was so radical. Now, in this passage, what happens is, the, it's sometimes referred to as the, the conversion of Cornelius, but really it's the conversion of Peter. Cornelius is the, the centurion who becomes a believer, but Peter is converted and learns that surely God has no favorites. He, he's not partial to any one group of people over another. He really has a level playing field. And um, we're in this, this preaching series called Resurrection Life. And today's topic is called No VIPs, No Very Important Persons. And this morning as I was praying for the service and was coming in here, I thought, why didn't we print Mother's Day on the front of the bulletin? And I'm so glad we didn't because it would read, Grace Anglican Church, Mother's Day, No VIPs. <laughs> we definitely don't want to communicate that. And moms, we are thankful for you. On the way out of the first service, someone said to me, you know, the two best days in a person's life, the day they're born and the day they figure out what their purpose is. So, moms, thanks, thanks for bringing us into this world. Now, the topic about no VIPs is about this problem of categorizing and devaluing certain people. And we like to feel special. 
Of course, the place where we probably feel it more than any other is in the airport, right? I want to be in the fast line. I want to sit in first class. I want free food and drinks at the, on the flight, all that. I want the, the, the very special treatment. But the problem is, in order for me to get the very special treatment, somebody else has to stand in the line. Somebody else is paying. Somebody else, somebody else has to be put down for me to be put up. And we have this problem in our culture. And, and what the gospel does, what the resurrection does, is it levels that completely. And I know it's trite to say this, but the ground really is level at the foot of the cross. That's a helpful illustration for me, that it really is level there. And what Peter says in this Acts 10, um, verse 34, is he said, truly I understand that God knows, shows no partiality. That was the conversion. Peter came to the point where he realized God shows no partiality. He really is fair. And Paul, the apostle, wrote in, in Romans 11 that um, in Romans 11, he's explaining the difference between Jews and Gentiles coming into the kingdom. And um, he says, God has consigned all to disobedience that he might have mercy on all. That's the leveling. All are disobedient. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's what the scriptures teach us. And God's desire is to have mercy on all people. And the cross is the way that he does that. And it's an amazing thing. So let me tell you what happens here. We've got Peter. He's hungry. He gets a vision. A scroll is let down, and on it are unclean and clean animals. And he hears three times, rise, kill, and eat. And he says, surely, Lord, I've never eaten anything unclean that was ceremonially unclean for a Jew to eat. Surely. And and then the Lord says, don't call something that I've called clean common. And at this same time, an angel speaking over to uh, this centurion, Cornelius, saying, go and send for Peter. And so when he comes, the Lord says, go with these men, I've sent them. And there's this amazing meeting where Peter comes into the house of a centurion, which as a Jew was weird. He felt uncomfortable going into this house. He didn't belong there culturally. And he goes in there and Cornelius has his family and friends all gathered. Okay, what do you have to say to us? And it's in that moment that Peter doesn't have a sermon prepared. He didn't know what he was going there for. He was being converted, basically, to a Gentile mission, that the good news is for all people. And he begins his sermon by just acknowledging what he's just learned. And if you want to look in Acts chapter 10, it begins in verse 34. He says, truly, I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. God shows no partiality. What this is, is the openness to receiving God. This doesn't make someone saved, but it makes them open to what God has to receive the gospel. So first of all, it's for any nation, any, any group. And, and it's people who fear God, meaning they revere Him, they respect Him, they recognize Him and His Lordship. And when it says, and they do what is right, it doesn't mean they do what is right to earn salvation, because the scriptures are very clear that that is not how we are saved. But rather, we know right from wrong, and when we start to fear God, we start to recognize doing the wrong thing is against what God would have, and we choose, we begin to choose the right path. Our desire is for God and His things. It's a, it's a posture of repentance. <clears throat> we live as penitent people, recognizing this wrong thing I want to do is not good, and you start to want to and do the right thing. That puts you in a place to really receive God, but you're left with this problem you've done some wrong things. You have guilt and shame and need forgiveness. And then the forgiveness comes in Christ. 
So we come and repent of our sins, and we're, we are given God's forgiveness. That is when we become believers. That's when we've entered into the kingdom of God. Now we're Christians. We're walking, we're walking with Him. It's really an amazing thing. So what happens is there's a new category. Back to putting people in categories. The category is those who are redeemed versus those who are yet to be redeemed. Once we've accepted forgiveness, we're in that group of the redeemed people. We now are accepted by God and forgiven. Now, look at what happens here. God shows no partiality, and then in verse 38, he begins to explain Jesus and his ministry. He says, we are witnesses of these things, that he did um, powers, healings, cast out the devil, did all sorts of things, and went around doing good, anointed by the Holy Spirit, and God was with him. And then he says, they put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who have been chosen as God, by, by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded them to go and preach to the people about this message. So I've often wrestled with that. I wish that Jesus had gone and shown himself to everybody, but he didn't. Just to a chosen group, about 500 people got to see him, and then he ascended into heaven. But he anointed them and he left them as witnesses to go and proclaim this message. I'm so grateful for this because I'm, I have no Jewish descendants. I'm a Gentile, and yet I'm in God's kingdom as one grafted in, as one who's been accepted in because of what happened, what Jesus has done for us. And, and he brings his little message more or less to a conclusion in verse 43 when it says, to him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Everyone who believes receives forgiveness of sins through his name. This really is a message of universal acceptance in Christ. He's consigned all to disobedience so that he can have mercy on all. That is God's desire, and that's what we see here. That's what we see in Christ. Now, Peter, after this happens, goes back to the Jews that had converted to Christianity. He's hanging out with them, and they're really struggling and, and saying, how could you go and eat with a Gentile? What's going on? And he then recounts in chapter 11 what he went through. And he comes to this conclusion he says, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus told us. So if then God gave the same gift to them that he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? So while Peter was given that message about the cross and about Jesus and forgiveness and acceptance, the Holy Spirit came upon those people in the centurion's house, and they started extolling God and praising God and praying and speaking out in tongues, and they were filled with the Spirit just like those other, the apostles had been on Pentecost, which happened prior to this. And so he goes, wait a minute, if the Lord is going to put his Holy Spirit in these people, who am I to stand in the way? Why should we not baptize them right into the kingdom right now? They belong to. And when he tells this, then everybody fell silent, and they started to listen to all the things Peter said about it. This was the birth right here of the Gentile mission for Peter. He finally realized what God had intended that this message was for all people, all nations. And as God said to Abraham, all the families of the earth, all the ethnic groups of the earth will be blessed through your offspring, meaning Jesus. But there are so many categories in this world that when we see people accepting other people, it's, it's otherworldly. It looks strange. We're not used to that. I love the picture in Revelation of glory, <clears throat> of the heaven and the throne. And around the throne are all these different nations, tribes, tongues, all kinds of people. 
Every possible category is there, and they are all unified in worshiping the Lord and serving Him. That is a picture of what is to come. And it is something that when it comes in small measure here in this life, people marvel at it. They don't expect it. I recently went back and was reading through parts of a book that is very, very interesting called Same Kind of Different as Me. And it's a book about a very, very wealthy international art dealer who befriends a homeless black man in a shelter in Texas. And this man has a criminal record, and he's a tough, hardened guy that's lived on the street for 30-some years, but they become friends. And, and the homeless man's name is Denver. And Denver ends up in the hospital for something, and Ron, his friend, the art dealer, goes to see him. But he doesn't know what room he's in. And as he's going down the hallway, looking at the charts outside the door to try to see his name and figure out which room, uh, a nurse is there, and, and she's doing some charting, and she says, can I help you? But she's standing right outside the door where his friend is, and it, he sees on the chart Denver's name and, and says to her, well, I'm looking for my friend, but I think I found him, and points to the name. And she says, oh, I, your friend's not in there. No, that man is black and homeless. And, and he says, oh, then that's definitely my friend. And he walks into the room as she, embarrassed, runs away. Because in her mind, this idea that these two could be friends just didn't fit. It didn't work for her. But you see, they were both believers filled with the Spirit, and God had done a work in both of their lives. And it was an amazing thing. And it was a picture of how God's kingdom works. So when I hear stories like that, and when I think of this kind of thing, and Peter's own reflections, who am I to stand in the way of what God's doing? I ask this question. Do my biases stand in the way of God's work? Is God doing something in someone's life, and my biases keep me from getting in there and and helping it? I miss opportunities because I can't see it. I can't see what God's Spirit is doing. Or do I understand that God shows no partiality? You see, there are really only two categories of people in the world. There are those who are walking with the Lord, and there are those who have not yet met Him. So let me give you an illustration. Imagine two people, one standing over there, one standing here, and the Lord is up here. As each person goes closer and closer to the Lord, they go closer and closer to each other. The closer you are to the Lord, the more you're united with the other person because you have the Lord in your heart, because you have the Lord who is motivating you, whose priorities are beginning to be your priorities, whose heart and his eyes and ears for the world begin to be yours, and and that you start to have in common. And it's worldly, it's an uncommon thing often, but what, it, what a gift it is to find someone else who also is worshiping your God. You have instant affinity over that. That's why in church we exchange the peace. It's not a meet and greet, it's an opportunity to say, symbolically, even though you're different than me, the peace of the Lord be to you because of what Christ has done. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. It's a powerful thing, and it changes culture, it changes society. Now, if you're a believer... Instead of noticing differences first, seek to to discern God's presence in the other person. What are you doing in this person's life, Lord? Do they know you? Are they walking with you? Do we share you at the center? And if you're not a believer and you're still unsure about all this resurrection life and all this gospel stuff, I want to encourage you that God shows no partiality, that you can be acceptable to God too through Christ, that you are welcome into his kingdom. This is a radical message and Christ is radical. He changed things. He changed things, and He really, really leveled the playing field. All are sinners, but God's desire is to have mercy on all, and He does that through Christ. So, I want to 
I want to reiterate, there are no very important persons in the kingdom of God. He sees all of us as important and goes to great lengths to welcome us in. And we should, as believers, do the same for others. Try to welcome them in and try to discern where is God at work in this person's life. You will be surprised who you find friendship and affinity with because the struggles to be a Christian in this world are unique struggles. And you can have that in common with somebody who otherwise would have nothing in common with you. Maybe even somebody who likes country music. (laughs) I want to invite you to pray with me, and um, we'll ask the Lord to come. Father, I thank you for this message of radical inclusion through Christ. I pray for each one of us, each person sitting in this room, that this week you would bring someone into our path who would not fit our usual categories, but who knows and loves you, that you would give us your spirit to discern your work in their lives, that we might be able to love them and serve them as you do. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.